0: The Bootsy Show, the Bootsy Show. We'll talk a little while and share a cup of Joe. So tell all your friends wherever you go. Tune into the Charlie Boot Show. That's the Charlie Boot Show. A very special Charlie Boot Show today, folks. This is a dual broadcast, episode 73 of the Raider Life Podcast. Episode 13 for the Charlie Boots shows. Both end in threes, but we got a big number eight on the line. Pro Football Hall of Famer, the greatest punter the NFL has ever seen, and a guy that really changed the game of football, the great Ray Guy joins us today. And to all our Raider fan listeners, or just football fan listeners, in the LA and Southern Cal area. This weekend, February 10th and 11th, 2018, the biggest ever Raider Fest is coming to LA, Raider Fest 7, and we are talking about Jeff Barnes, Morris Bradshaw, Cliff Branch, Dave Casper, Eric Dickerson, Ray Guy, Tom Flores, Ted Hendricks, (gasps) Lincoln Kennedy, Reggie Kinlaw, Howie Long, Rod Martin, Ira Matthews, Otis McKinney, Jim Otto, Charlie Phillips, Warren Sapp. Donkey Williams, Otis Trunk, Willie Brown, Phil Villapiano, Van McElroy, and that's not all. So folks, this is a very worthwhile event. Go out, meet Ray Guy and the rest of the Raiders family. And if you're interested in more information and tickets, head over to halloffamesports.com. Our friends at Hall of Fame Sports, their events are always historic. So be sure to bring the family and enjoy Raider Fest 7 this weekend in L.A. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this Ray Guy interview. Uh, Ray Guy, not only a legend, but doesn't hold anything back. Really shoots straight off the hip and tells you how he feels. And it's awesome to get his opinion on the current NFL, current players, and the future of our pro sports here in the USA. And this Hall of Fame conversation is being brought to you by our friends at Auto House Automotive Solutions in Hayward, California. Home to the best car, audio, video, and security systems out on the West Coast. Plus, they'll handle all your tints, leather interiors, custom wraps, and more. This is where all the big players go to get their cars done. And actually... At the end of the month, we'll be flying out to the Bay Area. We'll be filming some episodes of Flavor, and we'll also be shooting a special at Auto House to show you car lovers some of the coolest rides out on the West Coast and how they put it down at Auto House. Visit our friends at Auto House today on the web at Auto House, or ride on in, 21650 Mission Boulevard, Hayward, California. Auto House Automotive Solutions, the best audio in the Bay Area. So if you're out there in the Bay and you want to get the car bumping right, looking right, leather lush, you know where to go. And you know where I'll be kicking it, right here on the thecharliebootshow.com and raiderlife.com. And folks, today, the greatest to ever do the kicking, here he is, a man to change the game of football forever, pro football hall of famer, Oakland Raider punter, the great Ray Guy. I would say the Silver Foot, but it's a Golden Foot, and it's the biggest foot of all time. The legend, Mr. Hall of Fame, Ray Guy. Ray, how are you?
1: I'm doing good, Charlie. I heard you enjoying the sunshine. I need
0: some <laughs> yeah, yeah. i feeling
1: the back here in Mississippi, boy.
0: I'm, I'm going to send i I'm going to send a little riverboat to come and pick you up, and you, you come down here. We we meet on Alligator Alley and have a good time down
1: here. Well, yeah, is that where you are? are you down in the. Miami-type area, that's all. Yep. Okay, all right. I know where you are. I have been down to Miami in April, and it was actually snowing. I
0: don't know. It sounds like the dolphins are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've been having some real cold weather come through here, which is kind of unusual. But, hey,
0: you know, it does
1: happen. You have to deal with it.
0: And you're a guy that knows exactly what it's like when something rare happens. The first punter ever drafted in the first round. You're going into college. You know, you're headed into Southern Miss. Would you have ever guessed you'd go on to be a first-round draft pick?
1: Actually, uh, no, I didn't. I meant, uh, Of course, back in the days I was playing in there, uh, as compared to the generation now, you might want to say, Charlie, is, uh, you know, they are they are pretty aware now at a young age what their opportunities are and what they, you know, they they can look forward to. But, you know, back in my day, I really never gave it any thought through my whole career up until, uh, you know, I was drafted number one by the Raiders in, in 73 that uh, I would ever go into playing, you know, professional football I mean, there again, I mean, I could have done baseball, too, right. if you know what I mean. So, but uh, I guess what I was doing, basically, is just doing what all kids did. You know, they played sports at a younger age, growing up, or it was controlled atmosphere, or it was, you know, out on the farm, on the backyard, with your, with your neighborhood buddies and things like that, just doing what kids doing. But I, I enjoyed every minute of it. I I, I enjoyed playing football. I enjoyed playing bas- uh, baseball. They wouldn't let me play basketball in college because that was just too many sports. And uh, so, you know, and when I got drafted, you know, by football, and I was also drafted by uh, baseball that, that same year, then I had to make a choice. And, you know, I didn't weigh one against the other. Uh, I mean, I just took, roll with the flow of what was occurring at that particular time. And, you know, I figured, well, this would be fine. So I just went with football. I, I I didn't have no regrets one way or the other. So uh, then it all worked out.
0: Wait, so what was your, in baseball, did you get drafted as a pitcher?
1: Oh, I got drafted as a pitcher five years in a row. Wow. That, that includes high school, too. Hey!
0: Were you passionate about pitching?
1: Oh, I love it I shoot, I could have played infield outfield only thing I wouldn't play was catcher. I couldn't stand that fast swinging in front of me, but it's just one of those deals that you know the good Lord blessed me in a lot of ways and and, and he does everybody i mean he blesses everybody with a character or a purpose you might want to say you know all we got to do is 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 go that road and and try different things to see what Fits in your niche and what you what you can do better and 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 you know help other people along in that area of life that they are really searching for but not sure. So you know I was very blessed in that that part of it. And, and there again, you know that's what he intended for me to do, and that's you know that's what I I finish up doing. I feel like I've made a lot of impact on. Younger generations, you might want to say. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was very blessed and very proud.
0: Talking about affecting all the generations, you just you just said a line that, folks, this is the best I've ever heard. The connection between the generations uh, put. You said the the now generation is aware of the opportunities in front of them. Right. And that, that's so true. And it, and it's crazy to it's crazy to hear that like that just. That that's that sums everything up.
1: I just wish they, you know, the younger generation now, it's just realize, you know, how fortunate they really are about what they are doing now, and, and you know how they got there, and and realize how much they probably don't realize it, how much they had to work to get there, because maybe, you know, that they, they were there again. They were some of them are blessed more with the mobility than others some of them had to work harder but the thing is that's the key that's the key to anything you've got to work for it you've got to you got to bust your butt to to make the best of the situation that you are in at that particular moment and I just wish they realized that and take a step back and look at what they are really doing and, and what effect they are really having on the next generation—are right. we really showing them the right way, or we showing them the wrong way? I mean, you know what I'm saying. I, I don't know how to fill that one out, Charlie.
0: No, that, absolutely. And uh, I mean that's a, that's very deep. And w- when you're as an athlete, were you were you into the to the mental side? Like when you were on the mound. Was it just was it just overpowering guys, or was it like did you enjoy the mental side of the pitching game?
1: I was I was I was pretty dominating in in uh, in pitching. I can tell you that. I mean, I was averaging ninety eight miles an hour every time. And, but the thing back then, it, it it wasn't as technical back there. It was more, uh, it was more of your raw talent, you know. I had, I mean, I could throw a fastball. I could put it where I wanted to. I could throw a curveball, but it, it's nothing like these young generation are taught now with the fork finger and this and that and the other. And, and I know time changes. I understand that, but it still comes down. I'm on the mound and that guy's batting is one, it's one on one. We, we yeah. still got to perform. You still got to have that talent. You still got to know that know how. You know, and that was the same thing with me punting. You know, I learned all on my life. I learned basically on my own. But it was a, it goes back to the gift, but it, it was a feeling that I had every punt. I knew something was, I could make it better. Let's put it that way. I, I didn't have an idea basically what I was doing, but I had sense enough to, make adjustments to make it fit me then then come out the way I want it to, to, to work out. So, you know, I, I mean, these kids now are very fortunate to have all this training stuff. I mean, they they got the opportunity to go and, and learn from different people and re- learn different styles, uh, techniques, and mechanics, and things like this. But it all, everybody's doing it the same. We just do it different.
0: Mm. But
1: the, all the mechanics and all that they're learning is the same. All you've got to do is make some adjustments with it. You know, it's kind of like tuning in a car. You, you take a screwdriver and stick it in that little adjustment screw and, and make that car a little bit more better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm comfortable. I'm definitely right up front, Charlie. I've been, I've been very fortunate. and You know when I got inducted into that Hall of Fame in 2014, Boy, you know, nice. I wasn't, I mean, that was my eighth time up, but and then there's other guys that have gone in after me that have been there long and that, you know.
0: That's symbolic, number eight.
1: Yeah, you know, we have to be patient. You, you may not understand why, but you've got to be patient with that. And, and, and football basically is a it's, a, it's, it's, it is an individual game, but it's not. It's more of a team game. It's a workforce that you've got a, uh, a mixture of different talent on the field at the same time. And all of that's got to blend in together. You, you, you can't have one that's separating a little bit from that plan. Uh, cause if you do, you're not, it's not going to work. So you, you, you've got to blend in with it and, you know, punters are just as important, and to me, and I play pretty much every position from a young kid all the way up, is a punter is just as important as anybody else on that, that team, like the quarterback or the receiver or the lineman. You've got to know your position. You've got to know your job, and you've got to do it without thinking. You've got to do it better than you did before. If you mess up, you're human. That's all you can do. But the reason you mess up is is the ability he gives you the ability to adjust it and make it better,
0: folks. Those are diamond. That's diamond level coaching advice right there. The gems that you carry that you share with the kids when you're running your camp, you know, with the with ProKicker.com. What coach influenced you the most? Like, who's the guy whose lessons you carry with you closest to your heart?
1: Well, I'm. Mean, I don't know the kids. <laughs> Of course, kids now at my age, now they want me to, come on, Coach, we want to see you punt it. I say, look, I can't, I I mean, I can't do it no more. I said, if you (laughs) want to watch it, you know, let's go get a video. I got some videos. We can watch that. You know what I'm saying? But the the key thing is, too, and I think it kind of shocks them at first when, when they ask me the question is, or they make the statement to me, is that, Coach, I want to do it just like you. Mm. I say, wait a minute. I say, you can't. Then they look at you kind of, you know, at all, say, what are you talking about? And then I'll say, well, you're not me for one thing. Yep. You won't ever be me. I'll get you to do it the way you can do it, mm. but you won't do it like me. You Boy. follow what I'm saying? Yeah. In other words, I want them to be themselves, not something that they are. They are somebody they are not, but you still have the same goals and the and the the, the the idea of going on and and making yourself better. That's what we're there for. We're there to help you. You know, I wish I could be there with every one of them twenty four seven. I can't do that, or my staff can't do that, but we can help you within these two days, to give you the technique that you need because you are technically going to be your own coach, and you're going to have to understand it to how to make it better, to fit your style or your movements, uh, you know, things of this nature. Because everybody's, you know, foot's built different. Everybody's, you know, legs are different. Their swing is different. But the techniques are there. And all you've got to do is is take the time to break it down and go through each phase of the uh, training that we give you and let it all come together like a puzzle. You start with the borderline, you get the border put together, which is your mechanics and techniques, and then you start working on the inner pieces to interlock together. But don't ever come up with one piece missing because Mm -hmm. it ain't gonna work you know yeah that's what that's what we do all we do is
0: we help them to
1: understand themselves is what it is
0: man that is so cool to hear you say the key is to make them be themselves because folks you know that's the reason i think people were so in love with with the raider teams you played for because those guys were all themselves genuine characters and it really yeah. created a family environment. You know, you had guys like your buddy Snake just gets inducted into the hall. That had to feel good but
1: you know, one of my biggest fears, Charlie, was said in January of seventy three when I got drafted. It wasn't so much why they drafted me that I was worried about. I mean I knew what I could do. If you if you understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But my biggest fear was going into the uh Raiders training training camp in that July to start the season, I was worrying more about what the older the the players that were already there. What what how are they gonna take me? Mm, you know, first round hunter, draft take. Yeah, first round draft so it's How are they gonna take me? Right. That was my biggest fear of starting my career off with the with the Oakland Raiders. But after that first that first two or three days there, that was just like going out in the backyard of the neighborhood, uh, playing with with the kids I grew up with. They are just they were just like me. They were a bunch of grown men in a uniform playing a kid's game and having a <laughs> great time doing it. So I mean, I was I was right at home, and that's I still feel that way. I mean, even though I'm not around them now. We're still that way. That's like coming up this weekend down there in L.A. Uh, yeah. There's going to be a lot of my old teammates there. There's going to be a lot of guys that were uh, were either on the Super Bowl teams we had or it's just going to be guys that I played with. And we, we, I love this because that's the only chance, basically, I get to get back with them. And uh, yeah. so, so and nothing has changed. I mean, it's still the same.
0: We still get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and folks, folks, he's talking about Raider Fest 7 this set this week uh February 10th and 11th in LA and I mean we're talking like Ray said a laundry list folks of your favorite men in silver and black.
1: I look forward every I look forward to this every year. And there are a couple other shows I do during the year that I run into a lot of them. But this one is where we have the most of them in, in one uh accumulation. And man, we just sit around and we just carry on the same conversation we had when we left the Raiders. It's one big family, man. And once you're a member of that Raider team, once you're a Raider, you're always a Raider, you're regardless. And I That's believe man. in that phrase.
0: February 10th and 11th. And if you want more information get your tickets, dot HallOfFameSports.com. Ray, did you realize, like, when you walked into the Raiders, you come into camp, and that now you're you're a member of the team what was the first thing that happened that really made you feel a part of the family and uh and when what was your first meeting with al davis
1: actually uh i for i mean i i met al up in chicago well i didn't meet al in Chicago. I met him at training camp um, but anyway i uh i didn't have one particular one uh that I first met that was kind of a uh, inspiration type deal. We was all together. And, uh, mm. <laughs> we walked on the field. I think one of the biggest things that made uh, me fit more, or should I say, the players accept me more into the Raider family, was they found out I was I was not really what you call a punter. Mm. I was actually what you call a team player. Because I used to go out there and uh, do my things, you know, work on my what I needed to work on. Right. (laughs) So technically, you would think from my job description that once I got through that, well, I was through. I wasn't through. I didn't want to be through because it was. it's, It's like a habit. I come out of college. My main job with the Golden Eagles here at Southern Miss was technically a free safety. I played free safety all four years. I did the punting, I did the kickoff, I did the extra points, I did the field goal. But I was actually a starting free safety. Was supposed to play quarterback, but with me playing baseball, it was tough for me to go through the spring football practice and play baseball at the same time, which I did when I had a chance. But the thing is, they found the Raiders, uh, Upshaw, Brown, you know, uh, Jim Otto, all those guys found out, especially from a defensive standpoint, hey, I jump out there during practice and I'd actually cover the receivers on what they call a one-on-one right. or seven-on-seven, or I'd actually run pass routes. For the defensive backs, I mean, I'd play quarterback. I throw the ball. I wind up being, you know, I was in practice all day. I wasn't sitting down. And in the game time, <laughs> I used to drive John crazy uh, <laughs> on, on the kickoff or even the punts. Shoot, I'd be making the tackle. <laughs> but that that was that was not, that was because that's what I did.
0: Right, I'm a gamer.
1: I mean, on kickoff, I can make the tackle inside the 20. <laughs> but that's what I've been doing all my life, Charlie. Had enough air under it. It's hard to break old habits, right? So I think this, from that aspect of it, I think that's what really opened the doors to the my other teammates to accept me more than a punter. I was not a punter. I was a player. I was a team player. Of course, you know, at the end of my career, they you know, I was made third-string quarterback. Right. So I just wanted to be a, more than a pun, I wanted to be a, a team player. I wanted to be a part of that organization to do more to help win. And, and, you know, it took me two years to figure out that my job was just as important as anybody else. But I still wanted to be more interacting with the practice and the game. And uh, that's what I became, and, and I became mm-hmm. more than a partner on that team. I became a greater, honestly. Mm-hmm. Shoot, man, I used to tell them guys, look, miss him once in a while so I can tackle him. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get dirty out here. <laughs> that just drives John crazy. I can tell you that, man. But he knew. <laughs> John knew, I mean, he, he knew that I, I was more than a punter. And, but I understand from his standpoint, too, he didn't want me to get hurt. All right. Well, the thing is, you get hurt more protecting yourself than you do throwing yourself.
0: That's a fact.
1: You know what I'm saying?
0: That is a pure fact.
1: Oh, he used to tee me off when them guys were getting more than three yards on a return. <laughs> I'd have a lot of conversation with my cover teams up there,
0: oh my god he's he's not kicking at the camps anymore, folks, but I think he'll still lay a couple of hits out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we had a we had fun. I can tell you that much. We had fun playing.
0: man. so when you get drafted, you get drafted and and you said all these things are going through your head. You're a young guy, first round draft pick you're coming in. Uh, after they drafted you, what was your first conversation with Al like?
1: Oh, it was great. I mean, Al was uh, – Al and I hit it off great. I mean, there was not a one problem as far as negotiation is concerned and all that. Uh, I began to learn the background on the Raiders because I really didn't know a lot of – I didn't know hardly anything about the Raiders when I was drafted because, you know, I think a few years prior to that – when did the uh, Raiders form in the '62? Yeah, so well, when, they, is that when the NFL split and they went to NFC, AFC?
0: They did the 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 Raiders came out in the early '60s, '62, and then the the merger the merger was what '67. I'm not
1: really sure. I knew it was early, so the, you know the AFL had not been in existence very long, so you really didn't hear uh, hear a lot about the AFL. You know, basically it was still the NFL because of the older teams that was playing back in them days. Right. You know, so I didn't really know anything about the, the, the Raiders, uh, who they were, where they were, and all that. I remember, I remember getting off the phone with Coach Madden after they drafted me, and I turned, I turned to, uh, our school's SIT, I said, Ace, hey, I says, uh, who in the hell are the Raiders? <laughs> I said, where in the hell are they? <laughs> Lord, no, I didn't realize they were halfway across this country. <laughs> I'm just no country boy, man. That, that boat don't go down that canal very far. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. But uh, like I said, the, the, the guy upstairs... You know he has a he has a place and a destination for you. all you got to do is find it
0: when did you realize that
1: i I'm not sure it's been after I retired, and that's because you know the more i, I deal with the with the with the kids and the more I talk to them. you know I have learned more since nineteen I want to say ninety five we started this somewhere in there. I have learned more. About punting by teaching than I had by doing, and if I knew back then what I know now, I mean it was there ain't no telling what I would have done. Mm. You know, it's a it's a trial and error game, my friend. And the thing is, you, you never get when you reach a certain point, you're not at the top yet. There's always another step on that ladder, but you just got to figure out how to get up on it. And in other words, don't get complacent with what you're doing now on it, because you're not at your peak. You're not the. It, you'll never master it. That's what I'll tell them. about it. you will never master this. You will get better, and you'll get greater, but you won't ever be a master at it. And it, to me, that's still true. That's that's still true. You can always make things a little bit better and a little bit more productive if you just work at it.
0: What a great attitude! That that what a great you you should never consider yourself an expert in anything because that means you're not trying to uh, improve it actively. Well, I that's true. So I,
1: I never got complacent with if, if I had a great punt, say it went out on the one-inch line. Well, hell, I wasn't satisfied. But that ball's only bigger around in the belly, so it ain't gonna go very close <laughs>
0: <laughs> The ball's only big in the belly you know so i'm okay
1: right. I, was, oh. I was, I was like I said I, meant, and I'm not bragging i'm I'm just saying that i, I earned everything that I had, but I had the a gift to get there if I just used it, and plus two the, I give basically. All of that, not only to the guy upstairs, but I give that to my family life and my mom and dad. They were never one to push you to do anything, but they said, once you start it, don't quit. Get better at it. And she, they always said, it doesn't matter how how successful you are, somebody, some, somewhere, somehow, you will get the road pulled out from under you quicker than you stepped on it. hmm mm. So I, we had a great family life and that's where it all starts. You gotta have directions first. You gotta have a path you have gotta go down, but there are gonna be forks and bumps and things in there that you are gonna face and you gotta, you gotta determine which is the best bump to go over and which fork the way is the best way to turn. You can't blame it on nobody else. it's, it's, It's yourself. You have to make that choice. So if you make a choice, and it fails. And don't blame it on somebody else.
0: And that's so cool, man, that you're giving that to these kids now with 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 the camps, with with the Ray Guy punting camps at ProKicker.com. Like you 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 care to put the maps in front of the kids, and it's you know there's hundreds of camps, but you're Hall of Fame, and this is, and still still giving them the gems.
1: Well, that's like now you know we just finished. Let's see, what was it? 18 years. I want to <laughs> say. Uh, the Great uh, Guy Award that I give out now, and when we when we began to put this together, the Augusta Sports Council in Augusta, Georgia, which are the, the big sponsors behind this, uh, we sat down and we had to put together the criteria. You might want to say for the uh, punter, how how do we pick one? Or how did I want to pick one? And when I laid out five, about four or five categories, you might say, and they had the, they had the one with the highest point system. Each one of those categories had a point to it. And whoever had at the end of the year, whoever had the highest point percentage would win it. So what I, what I did was I took away just basing it on the total gross average, which most people go by now, you know it's fine and good to have a sixty sixty yard average. But if you've got the returns coming back on you and your net average is, is down to like thirty, well, you're not really accomplishing anything.
0: Team player.
1: Just because you've got a higher punt average, don't mean you're going to win this award.
0: Yeah,
1: it depends. 'Cause I've had a lot of uh schools call well how come so and so didn't, you know, become one to file free. He had the highest growth. Well that's fine and good. But what about the other four categories? What did he do in the net return? What did he do inside the twenty? What what did he do on the number of punts returned? I mean there's a lot of things involved in this. So what I was looking for I wasn't looking for a great yardist punter. I was looking for a team player, mm. and I found out a year or two after the award started, I met a lot of college coaches around, and they all said, ever since this award came out, the, his punters, he said, you would not believe how their work ethic went up. Wow. They started working on different things, you know, directional punting, spot kicking, uh... And started just kicking it down the field. Yeah, you know, I could have kicked it out of the stadium every time, but what good would that do?
0: Ask the Superdome in Louisiana about him. You know, this ain't that a roof on it. <laughs> <laughs> but you,
1: you, you follow what I'm saying, don't you, Charlie? Absolutely. I want a team player. I don't want an individual, and I don't want a punter. I want a team punter. That's what I want. Punt for your team. Sacrifice yardage to make this happen, make the, the win happen.
0: Do you have a favorite punter right now in the league, and what do you think of Marquette King? I
1: think I'll, I think, uh, Martell's great, but I'm going to have to get on his butt when I see him because I'm tired of that little showboat dancing he's doing now. Right. You, you ain't supposed to be doing that. You're supposed to, when you hit a good one or whatever you do, well, that, that's what you're supposed to do, not go back to the bench and get ready for the next one. When I see him, I'm going to get on his. And I've told him that two or three times. I got his phone number, I can call him. Need he, don't you to want do that. No, he don't
0: want he, he don't want grandpa to call him. <laughs> <He's telling laughs> you're still laying out hits. You gotta he gotta keep his head on swivel. Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. We always keep that head on the swivel. Anyway, it's been no, a point. I'm looking forward to this weekend and not only seeing Chris and all that, but a lot of the other guys. And I've got a lot of friends from different other sports, too, that will be there. So, I mean, you know, like baseball and basketball and stuff like that. So, hey, it's going to be a fun weekend. Oh, I just wish man. you was a little bit closer to Hattiesburg, but, hey, that's the way it goes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but we even, got a, we even got a Southern Mississippi Raiders Booster Club. Where Raider Nation is really everywhere. Does that blow your mind?
1: Oh, yeah. I'm at... Uh, The fans have changed since the days we were uh, in the Coliseum and all that. uh, You know, there wasn't many of them, uh, Damn, I don't know what you call them up in the stand, them uh, dark Vedas and uh, all that. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever it is, there wasn't none of that in the stadium when we were there. Of course, the ladies had on dresses and high heels and the men had coats and shirt and ties. I mean, you know what I'm saying. Right, right. I
0: don't know where that other started. And you saw the big transition. You were there in Oakland, then you were there in L.A. What was it like when they transitioned? What was the biggest difference for you? I don't know. Well,
1: I I, I wasn't really fond of moving to L.A., but that wasn't my choice. I mean, I understand business and right. stuff like that. Uh, I always said when we went down there uh, that we would, I mean, the Raiders would be coming back to Oakland. And, of course, now they're leaving again. But, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, there again, that, that all goes with the time changing. And, you know, uh, teams now seem to be more of a gypsy type teams now. You know, they're always moving to here and there and moving there. You know, it's kind of hard to set them roots now. Right. And, you know, make a, make a house that I mean, you always moving around. But there again, it goes back to the economy. You know, you gotta make the money because look at the salaries these guys are making now. Correct. So, I mean, hey, I don't think back in our days, I don't think, uh, it was, but money was not one of the big issues like it is now. Uh, it was not publicized and published like it is now. Each player, I, I didn't know who made what and didn't really care. Uh, right. when they, when they do a contract, you know, that was over. You we went and played. I mean, you didn't have players getting upset back in them days about uh, you know making more money or leaving the team and or you know, setting out a year when you sign a contract and you played them that you know, the extent of that contract out. And then you had an option year. Then if you didn't agree on the option year, well then after that you were you could be traded. You know, they started, they were starting back in 74, 75. They were, they were talking, the player association were talking about getting into this free agency, you know, where Mm -hmm. the player hasn't, you know, I know we're the entertainers, but still, I mean, you got an obligation, you know, with with the team you sign with. You didn't sign a a two or three year contract and have a great first year, then decide you want more money. Do you going to sit out? To get more money. Uh-uh. You didn't do that. So, I mean, and I told I told Upshaw and all them back then, I wasn't for that. I mean, I said, Gene, what you're going to wind up doing, you're going to wind up hurting football. And, well, look what it's gotten into. Look where we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look where we are. Most of your only your, four fam- your four people family can't really afford to go to a can't go to the games. Events. I know they can. And, and, uh, it's amazing. And these playoffs now, especially the, you know, the Super Bowl, things like that. Well, hell, that's that's nothing but corporate.
0: It's I mean, all corporate.
1: It's all corporate. And I understand the money, but hell, they got to get the money to pay these contracts, these salaries somewhere.
0: Right. Now you're so right. You turn on TV and it's it's money talk, money talk, money talk. Instead of you know just just performance talk. Do you think that that's like that obsession with money has has affected us? You know, as a as a society, the the principles and the I, think of... it,
1: I think it has, and I think the the money now and uh, has affected uh, a lot of the the players' uh, attitude. You might want to say. See to me, I'll be honest with you. Now, this is just me. Teams, there's no unity basically right. in football anymore. You've got so many on each team that, and I understand they're in that that spotlight deal, but you know, like a receiver or or a runner or a defensive back or. The ones that are in the more the line, the camera-wise making, uh, I don't know, I call my them ass in themselves, you know, too, but I know we being taped, but that's all right. You know, to make a big play or something like this, and they dancing all over the field. You don't need that, John. Right,
0: going nuts. <laughs> but Man. I'm
1: going to tell you something, though. I look at this, which I don't watch it very – I watched the Super Bowl through the entirety this year. It was a great game. That was a good game. I normally don't watch football simply because of the, the way the players act. Now, you're supposed to make great catches. You're supposed to make great throws. You're supposed to make great runs. But I don't see them going over and hugging the offensive line or the defensive line or people like this that makes it happen. Right. You know, they're, they're putting all right. the spotlight on them. Absolutely right. You can't yeah. do it by yourself, man. I, I, I don't care how good you are. You can't do it by yourself. Go yeah. congratulate the person that made it happen, and that's your offensive line.
0: You know, the, the real problem is that in the modern NFL, you don't have the family aspect on the teams. You have 52 guys playing for their sports agent, You know, and that's where the loyalty is or in their own brand. And it's rare that you find teams that really want to mesh together.
1: Yeah, well, I don't know. Well, that's your, that's your freedom now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. That's freedom. And you know, I know, I know that's a very hazardous sport, uh, occupation. It's you don't you never know how long you might last. But still, I mean, please, you are making a big impact on the the young ones, and you know. We got to think about them because they're going to be and, and. in our place. Yeah. But What what are, what are we betraying to them? What are we giving them the ideas and to do this? I mean, this I can see it I, It filters back into high school now. As an older guy and an older uh, vet with the NFL, I don't like what I see. To be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Be proud of what you what you got that you may not have a gotten. And you still can get it taken away from you. So, yeah. you know, give somebody else credit. That's what I always say.
0: Yeah, no, that's a fact. That's real practice. Real humility. You know, don't just uh, don't just say you love God. That's that's the real practice of it. Is practice real humility and and be there for your team. Hey, hey, what was going through your head when, when Bum Phillips asked him to check the ball for helium when you hit the roof of the of the Superdome? The...
1: All I asked him was bring the football back, and he still ain't getting it back to me yet. <laughs> oh. oh, that Bum was a nut. No, and I love Bum. Bum was great kid. Everybody's great back then. We had fun yeah. back then. I said, Coach, when are you going to bring my ball back to me? <laughs> well, I'll get Billy. I know you're going to such such time, I give it him. Yeah, uh, he still got it. <laughs> oh well. Oh thank man, you. he must
0: need it more than I did. Hey, you are gonna have some time, folks. February 10th and 11th, Ray Fest 7 coming to L.A. Courtesy of HallOfFameSports.com. VIP package, you're gonna be able to meet and greet with Ray. And Ray, I know you're gonna have a hell of a time with all your old teammates. And uh, and man, I thank you so much for coming on and catching up. Oh, uh, you're welcome,
1: man. Yeah, I'm going to have a bye. I always have a, have a good time where I go. Come on
0: out and uh, mix and mingle with the players
1: if the chance they get, you know. And uh, I'll talk to you as long as you want to talk. That's my problem. I run my <laughs> mouth too much now. <laughs> All right, buddy. You... Charlie, you have a great one. Are you going to be around out this weekend or what? I won't be in L.A., but I'll see you soon. Okay, man. Well, you have a good one and and get a suntan for me. (laughs) I sure will. Bring your sunblock to L.A. There you go, buddy. I'll talk to you later, man. Take care, Ray. All right, buddy. Bye-bye.
0: A big thank you to Hall of Fame Ray Guy coming on the show. And remember, folks, this weekend, February 10th and 11th in L.A., you can meet Ray and all your other favorite Raiders at Hall of Fame Sports Raider Fest 7. For all information and tickets, Head over to HallOfFameSports.com. You'll see right there on the homepage all the info and ticket information. We got a real special next few episodes for you here on the Charlie Boot Show. MLB Icons Doc Gooden and Johnny Bench are going to be joining us. So make sure head over to the Apple Podcast Store or head over to Stitcher or SoundCloud. Subscribe today to the shows so you don't miss a beat. And if you head over to charliebootshow.com or raiderlife.com, you'll see all the social media links right at the top. So let's lock in, stay in touch, send me any questions you have to charliebootshow.com and suggestions for who you'd like to see on the show next. Nothing helps more than the suggestions, folks. Love getting you what you want to hear. And let's keep in mind that line that Ray Guy dropped on us today. You're supposed to do good things. You're supposed to be great. Let's not go too nuts celebrating mediocrity ever, folks. And we will keep bringing you the best here at charliebootshow.com and raiderlife.com. I thank you guys for tuning in, and I'll see you next time right here on the Charlie Boot Show. Take care, and happy Valentine's Day if you're celebrating. (laughs) As a matter of fact, here's a free Charlie chuckle you could use for the icebreaker on that date. (laughs) What is the official sneaker? Of the Polish National Basketball Team. The Poland Springs. (laughs) See you next time, guys. That's the Charlie Booth Show.